Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made it possible for us to come together once again this morning. We thank you for each individual who is a part of this session. We thank you for providing for us. Thank you for opening doors for us. Thank you for making ways for us. Thank you for giving us a sense of forward motion. Thank you for giving us a sense of propulsion and advancement in divine purpose and destiny. I ask that you would have your way, sir, for we know that it is only in you that we live and move and have our being. We know that without you, we are nothing. We know that without you, we can do nothing. And so we lean upon you. We depend upon you. In thee, O Lord, do we put our trust. Let us never be put to shame and let not our enemy triumph over us. In the name of Jesus, supply the needs of all of the professionals that are a part of this session. We ask you to provide for and supply their personal needs, their professional and business needs. Lord, most of all, the spiritual needs that we have. We ask that you supply them and you are ultimately what it is and who it is that we need. We thank you for your great provision. We thank you for your willingness toward us, your willingness, your beneficence, benevolence, magnanimity, all those terms that we can use to just say to you that your goodness extends unto us and overwhelms us. And we give you praise for all that you are and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this week, the Academy Awards last night, but as we wrap up the month of March, as we wrap up the month of March, uh, we're looking at um, mom and pop tomorrow is mom and pop business owners. So that small business entrepreneurship, we honor them. And then to, uh, Wednesday is National Doctors Day. And certainly we acknowledge all of the medical care professionals, all of the medical professionals, including and featuring our doctors. Thank God for them. And remember that our God is Jehovah Rapha or Rofika. It is the Lord who heals thee. And as professionals and as healthcare professionals, uh, we are grateful that you are aware that all healing is of God. The scripture tells us, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And it is a tragedy that some in the church and I will go ahead and say, particularly in the, quote, full gospel church, that is the church that believes that God heals supernaturally, that at times we have missed our blessing because 
although we did and rightly so believe that God works and heals supernaturally, we forgot that it was the same God who also heals naturally. And so we divorced the natural from the supernatural. God never did, but we did so to our own detriment. But we thank God for professionals who understand that our supernatural God not only uses supernatural means, but also uses natural means to bring about his supernatural purpose. All healing comes from God. And so we're grateful for that insight because it has so many implications in so many other realms. Also today is, excuse me, not today, but this week, World uh, Backup Day, the 31st is World Backup Day. And I encourage all professionals and non-professionals, if you consider yourself such, although I consider all of us professionals, I sincerely encourage you, back up your data, just like this, this uh, device that I'm using right now. Please know that I have uh, endeavored to back up all the things that have been created here because I have had the, the sad situation of uh, the thought that the document or the project or whatever it was that I developed that it's lost forever. That's not a good feeling, brothers and sisters. It is a sinking feeling to say the least. Then this week also uh, features um, April 1st, that is sometimes called April Fool's Day. And um, also April 1st is Atheist Day. And we infer, and I think that we found that uh, written as a backup as well, that um, the reason why it's called Atheist Day is because the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And um, I love to say this, that even where there are those who not do not believe in God, is it doesn't bother God because he still believes in them. Um, then Ramadan, Ramadan, the Muslim festival begins on April 2nd and Reconciliation Day. Uh, and we certainly are grateful for the principle of reconciliation. All right. Well, as you know, we've been dealing with this ongoing topic, being, becoming, and doing. And uh, if you saw the little video banner, with the various hard hats, remember that the hard hat represents the fact that when we meet God in the book of Genesis, God is on a construction site. He is creating the heaven and the earth. And what is the purpose of his creating? He creates the heaven and the earth because he's making a world. That is, he's making a system into which he is going to introduce uh, humankind. That's where we've been. We've been reading from the book of Genesis chapter 1, at, excuse me, chapter 12 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, which says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out from thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Uh, unto a land that I will show thee, and he said, I will make of thee, a great nation. He said, I will make of thee a great nation. My brothers and sisters, God is challenging Abram to come to himself. That is to come 
to the fulfillment of the destiny that God has already set in motion for Abram. This is what God is inviting him into. As we, uh, as we continue to use that heading as our topic, I want to point out a couple things from our last discussion. And yet, I want to point out some things from the 715 session. So I'm going to try to move rapidly. The Bible tells us that the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Then the Bible says again uh, that in the story of Hannah or Hannah, we find that she was in bitterness of soul. And whenever the Bible gives us the opportunity to set up the uh, contrast, the contrast is going to be instructive. The, the contrast is going to teach us something. So the Bible says that she's in bitterness of soul. And remember this, that in the King James, the word bitter does not merely mean bad tasting. The word bitter also means poisonous. It does not merely mean bad tasting, but bitter can also and does often mean uh, toxic, poisonous. And so Hannah is in bitterness of soul, whereas the Bible says in Proverbs uh, 13, 19, that the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. So now we have sweet, we have bitter souls. We talked about doing, being, becoming, doing, doing, accomplishment. The Bible says that the desire accomplished or the doing is sweet to the soul. A sense of accomplishment is sweet to the soul. A sense of achievement, a sense of attainment, this is sweet to the soulish man. The soulish man, the emotions, the memories, the imagination, the will, uh, reflection and reason, those things are all sweetened by a sense of, a, of accomplishment or of achievement. And so Hannah now has a desire. What is that desire? It is to be the wife who bears her children, uh, bears her husband, rather, male children. She wants to be the wife that bears her husband male children. As I stated last time, it's not just because there's something wrong with her and she's insecure. No, no. Whenever you read these biblical narratives, always attempt to set yourself back into the context where this was written and where this occurs. 
she is in a historical framework in which women are often con uh, considered less than worthy wives if they cannot bear children and certainly if they cannot bear their husband male children. And it's not just because they want to be breeders, all right? But listen to me, it is because in that culture, the individuals who have economic power are fathers, husbands, brothers, sons relative to women. Women were not economic powerhouses in those days, except by exception, except by exception. It was not normal, so to speak, in the culture of the day. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm telling you that's what was then. And so for a woman to not have her father living or her husband living, she would be left at the mercy of brothers, if any of them were living, or sons. And so for her to have a son actually was for her to have a, uh, to have a social security policy or plan. You understand? So it was practical. It wasn't just all sentimental and emotional. And she could not. Now, you may not want to have a son or a daughter or a child at all, but there's something that you want to give birth to because you understand that around you, you may be considered less than worthy. And not only that, you may consider yourself less than worthy if you don't accomplish this thing. Listen to what the Bible says, the desire accomplished. It didn't just say accomplishment. It says the desire accomplished. Please listen to me very carefully. I believe this will help you, but I believe this will equip you to help somebody else. Do you know that there are people who have accomplished mighty things, great things, but the mighty and great things that they have accomplished do not equate to their desire? They've done thing one, two, three, four, five, but what they desire is not anywhere in the list. And so there are others who look up to them in awe and in amazement, and they're still in bitterness of soul because they have not accomplished what it is that they desire. You see, the, the Bible says the desire accomplished, not just accomplishment, but the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. When what they want, when what it is they're passionate about, when what it is that they believe they should be achieving is accomplished, that is sweet to the soul. And listen to me, sometimes you have to help people redirect their desire. <clears throat> sometimes you have to help them redirect their perspective because many times they're overlooking all the great things they have accomplished because of a minor thing that they've exaggerated or they've allowed somebody else to exaggerate for them uh, that they have not yet accomplished. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about self-image again. <clears throat> Professionals are really needy when it comes, <clears throat> and when I say needy now, I don't mean needy in the sense of being obsessed with somebody's um, affirmation. Here's what I'm saying. You need, that's what I mean. You need to have a healthy self-image if you're going to be a successful professional. And one of the reasons why you need a healthy self-image is because you're going to be tried. You're going to be, you're going to be faced with many challenges. You're going to be faced with much adversity and opposition along the course of your professional journey. 
And so you're going to need a healthy self-image. So listen to what the Bible says again. The desire, the thing that you want, the thing that you aspire to, the thing that you dream about, the thing that you have visions about, that desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. These five things that I listed, you may have accomplished all of them plus, and your soul still be bitter because of what you have not accomplished. And you're missing out on celebrating the five things that you have accomplished because of that one thing that you have not yet accomplished. See, the Bible says that, that Hannah was in bitterness of soul because of not bearing a child. It doesn't say she was in bitterness of soul because she could not sew well or knit well or draw well or she wasn't physically attractive or she wasn't intelligent. It doesn't say anything about that. It doesn't say that she wasn't a tremendous uh, homemaker. It doesn't mean that she was not a tremendous grower of crops. She might have been, she might have been the Proverbs 31 woman in every other way but one. You understand? She could have been that who can find a virtuous woman. Her price is far above rubies. She may have been that plus, but there's this one area, there's one void in her life that has such a hold on her that her soul is bitter. And again, bitter doesn't just mean bad tasting. Bitter also means toxic. When your soul is bitter, when your soul is toxic, remember now, you can become poisonous to yourself and you can become poisonous to others. Many times when a person's soul is bitter, they attract bitterness. They attract because they're poisonous themselves. They can poison others or they can draw other poisonous people to themselves. So the Bible said the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. But listen, remember this. I'm going to use the term happiness, but I'm trying to use happiness in a very uh, healthy sense, not in that little worldly sense of happiness, which means you got to have everything you want every time you get it. Okay. I mean, fulfillment. All right. So I'll say happy, but I mean, fulfillment. Happiness, happiness does not come so much from having what one wants as in wanting what one has. I'm going to say it again. Happiness does not come so much <clears throat> from having what one wants as from wanting what one has. Listen, you have five major accomplishments, five awe-striking, five head-shaking, five mouth-dropping accomplishments in your life. And yet you can't rejoice in those because of this pinky lack of accomplishment that you have over here. You follow me? Happiness comes not so much from having what you want, but from wanting what it is that you have. Because suppose this is not for you. Suppose that thing over there that, that, that you're just dying to have, suppose that's not in the scope of what it is that, that God has ordained for you. And so remember that 
The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but don't get obsessed until you're clear that what it is you desire is in fact a God-inspired desire and not a desire that has been inspired as a reaction to some dysfunction, a reaction to some iniquity, a reaction to some abuse that took place in your life. Make sure that that desire is a healthy, wholesome, God-ordained desire and not merely a desire that has arisen out of your brokenness. I, I, I could stay there much longer, but listen, it was, it was God's will for Hannah to have a child. But look at this now. The Bible says, that Hannah had an adversary in addition to not having accomplished, in addition to not having accomplished what she desired. And it may not be a pinky desire. It, it may be the, the forefinger prophetic. It may be the thumb, the, you know, the most volatile, a versatile and, and, and utilitarian of all the fingers. Yes, it may very well be. So I'm not making light of it. But look at this. The Bible says that Hannah, number one, she can't have a child, or at least she hasn't had one. And then on top of that, she's frustrated by not being able to have a child, but then she's frustrated further because she has an adversary who vexes her. Apparently, the adversary keeps calling attention to what she doesn't have. Apparently, the adversary keeps drawing a circle around what she doesn't have. Beware of people in your life who always call attention to what you don't have. Now, people are not your problem. I, 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 I stand by that. I'm not changing that. But I need you to understand that you need to understand, you need to decide about your associations. What did God tell Abram? Get me out from your what? Country, your kindred, your father's house. We don't know why all uh, of those were necessary, but sometimes God will separate you from those circles because in those circles, you are being reminded and you are being, as it were, scandalized because of what it is that you don't have. See, she's already keenly aware of what she doesn't have. She's already keenly aware of what she hasn't accomplished. She's already keenly aware of the cultural expectations. She's keenly aware of that. But in addition to her own awareness, there is some woman in her space who keeps reminding her, oh, you ain't pregnant yet? You aren't. You ain't, you ain't had no children yet? What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? When are you going to get started? What are you waiting on? Have you been to the doctor lately? On and on and on. The Bible says vexes her. And when you compound your own sense of inadequate, excuse me, please, your own sense of, sense of inadequacy and insufficiency along with someone beating and bludgeoning you and reminding you of your shortcomings, it can cause your soul, cause your mentality to become embittered 
embittered because I already know what I don't have and embittered again because someone keeps reminding, you know what? I hate to say this. I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but there are family members who do that to one another. There have been parents who did that to children. There have been grandparents who did that to grandchildren, aunts and uncles who did that to nieces and nephews, cousins who did that to other cousins. Just kept bludgeoning. Wait a minute. There have been spouses who've done that to one another. Mm. I'm sorry. Classmates who have taken on the adversarial role. And so when God shows you wisdom in terms of your circles, he told Abram, out of your country circle, out of your kindred circle, out of your father's house circle. When God gives you wisdom about navigating circles, you follow God's wisdom. Because sometimes the key to your toxicity, sometimes the key to your poison nature is that you've got the wrong thing in your ear. That was one thing in her ear. All right, she's got her own sense of inadequacy and insufficiency. That's the spirit of poverty, by the way. Then she's got an adversary in her ear. And then, unfortunately, now, her husband, Elkanah, is that Elkanah? The Bible says that he loves her. He loves her. Yeah, that, that, that's Elkanah. He loves his, his hammer or his hana. He loves her. But you know what? Even though he loves her, listen to what he said. Um, he said, why are you mourning? Why are you weeping? Am I not better to thee than 10 sons? You got the adversary in one ear, and then you've got the well-meaning but clueless in the other ear. <laughs> the well-intentioned clueless. Elkanah's clueless. He needs to hush. He needs to hush. Am I not better to thee than 10 sons? It's not even about you, Elkanah. I know you love me and I love you too. It's not even about that. Am I not better to thee than 10 sons? Elkanah, you're not going to live forever. Remember I told you about the practicality, about the fact that, that if her husband died, the next person that's going to take care of her would be her sons if, if her father and brothers aren't alive. And so here he is. Am I not better to be? You understand, sometimes you have people around you who mean well, but they're clueless. They mean well, but they don't know where you are. They mean well, but but they don't, they don't, empathize, but to a limited extent. And sometimes, oh, Father, please help me, sir. Please help me. Sometimes the people who don't relate, don't relate because they can't relate. They don't mean any harm. They just don't get it. And it's not that they're not trying to get it. It's just that they don't have the capacity to get it. You know what I've learned? I'm still learning. But one thing that I've learned about relationship Stop expecting of people that which they don't have the capacity to provide you. Would you do that? Both of you would be happier if you would stop expecting of people, requiring of people, demanding of people that which they do not have the capacity to provide you. Stop it. Stop asking for wine from water. 
unless your name is Jesus and you're going to turn it. You understand? Stop asking for, 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 for high levels of sophistication among the basic skills group. No disrespect. Just, just stop. Just stop. Stop. Stop expecting and requiring and demanding of people that which they do not have the capacity to provide you. You're in a relationship and you're waiting on certain levels of finesse, certain levels of sophistication, not stuck up, sophistication. That is, you deal with complexities. You deal with intricacies. You, you, you follow what I'm saying there? And this person is just basically A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Don't fight A, B, C, D. Just know that A, B, C, D can't give you calculus. It's not that they don't want to give it to you. They just don't know what that is. Both of you will stop being frustrated. If, if you just, just stop it. Stop wearing people out, demanding of them that which they cannot because they do not have the capacity to provide for you. You're going to make them something that God didn't even make them. Stop it. So you've got Panina in one ear, vexing her. You've got Elkanah in the other ear, trying to console her, but doesn't know how. And then you've got her own sense of insufficiency and inadequacy. And the Bible says she's in bitterness of soul. Wow. But she did the right thing. She went into the presence of God and began to pour out that which was in her. I don't know who this is for because I have a whole different lesson for today. And I may be able to at least hit on it before we're done. But I'm talking to professionals. Don't just... Don't just wallow in this now. Don't just wallow in this. Oh, yes, poor old me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those things that may be limiting you, those things that may be hindering you from progressing into the levels of accomplishment on this hand that are actually going to cause you to fulfill purpose and destiny without your having come to that thing that you want but still haven't grasped yet. This lady went into the presence of the Lord and she began to pour out. Stop repressing. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when Elkanah told Hannah, why aren't you eating? Why are you crying? Am I not better to be than 10 sons? Oh, by the way, I, I won't dwell on this one. But often clueless people, when they detect and discern that you have a struggle or an issue, they tend to make it about them. They tend to make it about themselves. Okay, there you go. I'm over here. <laughs> I'm over here dealing with Elkanah. Wait a minute. Benina all in my ear and a sense of inadequacy and insufficiency all in my soul. And here you are over here trying to make this about you. Listen, already got me to contend with. Would you please not put yourself on my agenda right now? <laughs> my, 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 my. 
<laughs> Excuse me. And <laughs> can you can you see that? Can you see that? She's already battling for her sanity. <laughs> She's already battling to keep some sense of self-worth and self-dignity. And here he's over here talking about it's just, it's just all me. I don't know. Poor old me. I, I thought I was being good to you. A am I not a helpful husband? I mean, am I not a good husband? She didn't say anything about his husbanding skills. But when the individual is clueless, sometimes they'll begin to make the issue about themselves. You got to love Elkanah. He's a good man. The Bible said he gave her a double portion. Oh, listen, he is a good man to her to the ability that he is able to meet her need. He's doing it, but he's actually somewhat clueless as to what's really going with, on within her. She can't be better. Uh, excuse me. She can't be bitter toward him. She can't be resentful or vindictive toward him. He's not inside where she really is. So the Bible says she goes into the presence of the Lord and pours out, pours out her soul. And she's praying in a certain posture that others don't appreciate. You know, when you really go before God, sometimes there'll be people who won't understand or won't appreciate why you going before God the way that you are. I don't see where it take all of that. Yeah, but you're not me. All that streaming, they mean screaming. All that streaming and running. Yeah, but you're not me though. I'm pouring my soul out. I'm, I've got to get this out of me. See, one thing that's critical, professionals, don't walk in suppressed emotion and suppressed passion. Don't get me wrong. If it's ungodly, you need to get it out of you. But what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that if you feel like being violent, that you shouldn't suppress. No, you suppress that all you can. Okay. And 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 but but what I mean is when it, when you're dealing with emotion, when you're dealing with pain, don't just try to suppress it. Bring it before God and acknowledge it. Bring it before God and acknowledge it. Bring it before God. The Bible says if we confess our sins. Well, certainly if we can confess our sins to God, we can confess everything else to God. He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. And then he also tells us in James chapter five, confess your faults. Not that That's not just sin. All sins are false, but all faults are not necessarily sin. This was not a sin on Hannah's part, one to another. In other words, God can give you another who can help pray you through. She poured out her soul and, and, and she was doing it in a manner that was not obvious, and even the priest got it wrong. Even Eli got it wrong. He said, woman, you, how long are you going to be drunk? Put away your wine from you. And, and she had to correct him respectfully. She said, sir, it's, I'm not drunk. There's something in my soul. There's something in my head. There's something in my head. See, the soul is not located down here. <laughs> the soul can affect down here, but the soul it has to do with the mind and the emotions. And all. It affects the whole being, but it's based, of course, in the mind and the, and the, and the mentality. She says, I'm in bitterness of soul. My, man, it's toxic up here. And she says, I'm, I'm in grief and I'm pouring these, these things out. And you know what? 
Eli seemed to have gotten in the spirit because Eli told her, go in peace and the Lord grant thee thy petition, which thou hast asked of him. He told her two things, go in peace and God's going to do it for you. The first thing God does is that he puts your peace back in order. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall guard, shall protect, shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Your heart being your spirit and your mind through Christ Jesus. You have it? Hallelujah. The Bible says she went her way and was no more sad. She poured the bitterness out. She wasn't pregnant. She hadn't produced anything yet. Not physically. But she got rid of that toxicity. If she could get rid of it, you can get rid of it. She got the peace of God and she got the promise of God. She got the peace and she got the word of the prophet, the word of the priest. The Lord grant me thy petition. God will. And the Bible says that when they were through with worship that time, they went back home. And the Bible said Elkanah knew Hannah. That is, he and Hannah had the same intimate relationship that they had many, 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 many times before. But the Bible goes on this time and says, and the Lord remembered Hannah. Hannah. And the Lord remembered Hannah. Listen. Remember in the scripture, when it talks about God remembering, it doesn't just mean God recalling things because God never forgets. He, he wills to forget our sins, but but in, he's omniscient. He, he doesn't forget anything. So it doesn't mean God recall. Oh, oh yeah, by the way. No, that's not it. It's a covenant statement. When the Bible says God remembers, it means that God honors his covenant. He honors his commitment. He honors your relationship with him. God remembered Hannah. Notice now that when she gets empty of the poison, it's not long after when she becomes filled with the promise. When you read that first chapter of 1 Samuel, that's where this is all written. When you read this first chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll find that the Bible says the reason why she could not have a child was not because there was something wrong with her fallopian tubes or her uterus or her ovaries, or any aspect of her feminine anatomy. The Bible says the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, this is going to sound uh, uh, very spiritual, and it should. And if it sounds hyper-spiritual to you, I apologize. Look at this. God shut up her womb. I submit to you that the God who said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion is not the author of barrenness. He's not the author of infertility or sterility. That's not our God. But God put a pause on Hannah and her pregnancy. God put a hold on her ability to produce. And I believe 
and I believe that there's scripture to stand on. That what God does is that he's not going to allow your agenda to defile his. You see, if you're Hannah and your motives are to have a child so you can feel good about yourself and so that you can have a sense of uh, community respectfulness, your husband thinks you're worthy, and you've got this social security. All of that's great, but that's lower than the purpose of God. Then come on over. You want to get Benina out of your ear, talking about how many children she has. You want to be able to say, yeah, but I got babies too. See, all of that is beneath the purpose of God. And so God in his mercy, God in his mercy says, I'm going to put pregnancy on pause. I'm going to put productivity on pause. I'm going to put your having on hold until you align your purpose with mine. Because notice when she prayed, she said, if you'll let me have it, if you'll just let me have it, I won't brag and um, get in Penina or Penina's face and try to get her back. That's not my intent. That's not why I'm asking. I'm not asking just so my husband will think better of me or that people will think better of me or I can feel better of, my, of myself, although I know all those things can come out of it. But if you let me have this child, I'll give him to you. In other words, if you allow me to be productive, God, I'll give you all the glory. I'll give you all the praise. I'll give it to you and I won't take it back. There's some of you under the sound of my voice that if God were to allow you to produce now what it is that you envision and even that that he has made your potential, God would have to be God to know the last step or the last track that you made because you'd head in a totally different direction. So God in his infinite mercy has put the lid on your productivity, the lid on your potential. And God is the God of your productivity. He is the God of your potential. But because he knows that your motives and he knows that your perspectives are so narrow and so limited and so toxic that if he gave it to you right now, you defile it with your own agenda. You defile it with your own mentality. You defile it with your own attitude. So God in his infinite mercy has put a limit on your doing because your perspective is not prepared to accommodate what it is that God wants to birth through you. You, Hannah, want to birth bragging rights. God wants to birth a prophet. You want to birth a reason to feel good about yourself when God wants to birth a culture shaper. You want to birth a reason for the community to applaud you when God wants to birth a prophet who will be such an establishmentarian that he will shift the entire trajectory of the nation from pure theocracy to a theomonarchy. You want to birth somebody that will take care of you in your old age, which is good. God wants to birth someone who will take care of nations and generations. Could it be that there's a Hannah, male or female, because the womb simply represents productivity in this story, although there's a literal baby being born. But 
as we're using it here, male or female, you have a womb. You, you have a means of giving birth to what God has promised. Could it be that one of the reasons why you are not birthing, that you're not producing as you know you have the potential to, could it be that the Lord, in his mercy, has put a pause on your pregnancy? has put a hold on your having just until you pour out all of your tox toxicity, you pour out all of that bitterness, pour out all of that vindictiveness, pour out all of that competitiveness and just say, God, if you give it to me, I'll give it back to you. I won't be boastful. I won't be arrogant, but I'll give you the praise. And the real enemy I will tell him he's a lie. The real enemy, oh yes, I will flaunt it in his face because I'll let him know that my blessing is not in his hand. It's in God's hand. Well, this is not exactly where we were going to go today, but I think this is where the father would have had us go. You have a desire to accomplish. I said, you have a desire to accomplish great things. And God gave you that desire. Hannah's desire to be a mother, it came from God. But the same God who gave her the desire instigated a delay so that she would not defile destiny. The same God who has given you a desire can at times instigate a delay so that you will not inadvertently defile destiny. Can I get you to say it? You can put it in the comments. The God who gave you the desire will at times instigate a delay so that by means of that delay, you will not defile your destiny. He gave you a desire. He instigated delay to prevent you from defiling your destiny. What's the key? The key is pour out the toxicity. Stop competing against others. In other words, don't try to outdo someone else in that selfish sense. There, there it is. There it is. I, I see it, Cookie Cameron. The God who gave me a desire will cause or instigate a delay when necessary so that I will not defile my destiny. And so what is the key? Yes, pour out the poison. Empty out everything that, um, that has embittered you. Be honest. Start with that. Start with honesty. Start with being honest before God. I can't take this toxicity anymore. I cannot, I can't take, I can't walk around holding grudges and ill will and all. God, I pour this out before you. And I want to tell you, hear me, church, we're closing. God, 
if you'll just let me produce. If you'll just let me manifest on the outside what I know you've put inside me. If you'll just let me become the Abraham that I know you promised this Abram. I'll give you all of the praise for it. I'll obey you with it. I'll serve you. I'm not trying to bargain with you. I'm just telling you I realize that this is not about me. I want a bouncing baby boy. You want a prophet to shape nations. I get it. I want security for my old age. You want books of the Bible written. You want Saul and David anointed with oil. That's what you want me to give birth to. You want me to give birth to the one who will give spiritual birth to the one who will write the book of Psalms, who will prophesy and not only prophesy, but be the great, 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 great grandfather of the savior of the world. All of that's tied up in me and I'm here mad with the knee. God, help me to get rid of this. You don't know what you carry. You don't know what you carry. You don't know what you're carrying and you need to talk to God so that you can get your agenda out of the way. Don't let Benina stop you. Don't let Elkham's cluelessness stop you. When what you're pregnant with has apostolic, and I'm not talking about water baptism in Jesus' name. I'm talking about the pioneering, trailblazing, precedent-setting ministry of apostle. You've got and dimension of apostle. You've got apostolic and prophetic grace waiting to be brought forth. And you still having nightmares about Panina. Let God clarify your perspective. He doesn't mind you having wealth he does not mind you expanding business. He doesn't mind you having companionship. He doesn't mind none of those things. But what he desires to give birth to through you is so much bigger than you and your perspective. Somebody's going to realize that Hannah, that womb of yours is not yours. That womb of yours is God's passageway to get his eternal idea incarnate. God's idea is incarnated through a womb. Say it again. God's idea is incarnated, materialized, made flesh through a womb. Remember an idea? John chapter one and verse one, in the beginning was the idea. In the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was the word, the reason, the logic. Verse 14 says, and the word, the idea of God was made flesh. How did the idea receive incarnation? through a womb that Mary said is no longer mine and that Joseph agreed is no longer mine. Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me 
according to thy word. Mary said, this womb is not mine. It is the passageway for your idea to become incarnate. Joseph said, that womb is not mine. I give my wife to you as she gives her life to you, that your idea through her womb may become incarnate. Your life is God's womb by means of which his idea will become incarnate. Are you encouraged? I hope so. Are you challenged? I hope so. Are you uplifted? I hope so. If you're, if you're burdened, go back and listen to it again because that was not God's intent nor mine. Our time has come and you've given me a few extra minutes. Thank you so much. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals saying to you, go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart and let us bring fame to his name. If, in fact, this session has benefited you, please make sure you share it. Please make sure you put it out and go to my page and, and comment. Go go uh, somewhere and let, let me know. Give, give some feedback. I don't know unless you say so. God bless you. Till we meet again, may the peace of the eternal God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.